Thank you, New York. Today, we're reminded of the power of community and the power of coming together. Athletes, on your mark. The first woman to finish for the second straight year here in the New York City Marathon is Mickey Gorman, a smiling Mickey Gorman, and why not? 2.29.30, the time for Gritterbikes. Look at the emotion of Shalane Flanagan as she comes to the line. Pointing to his chest, pointing to the USA. He so proudly wears across his chest. A great day for Mev Kapleski. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Set the Pace, the official podcast of New York Roadrunners. I'm New York Roadrunner CEO Rob Simulcare, joined, as always, by 2009 New York City Marathon champion Meb Kofleski. Meb, welcome back. Nice to see you. It's been uh, a quiet week of running in New York. We had President's Day weekend, no races, but never a quiet week when you've got kids, Meb. I know you're chasing your kids around. I'm actually in Atlanta, Georgia right now with my two daughters on a little getaway trip. Uh, how's it been going for you? Good to be back, Rob. It's going well. You know, my wife, Yordanos, was able to take Johanna to Atlanta, where you are, for a soccer tournament. She has two games on Saturday that went really well, and then two games yesterday, but they got eliminated on the first round. But I was here in uh, Tampa, Florida, with Sarah, my oldest, uh, who's self-sufficient now, does going to work and things like that, and Fiori doing her track meet. She she had her first uh, outdoor track meet that she did, and you know, she didn't have a, such a great time trials, but, you know, the competitive that she is, she's like, what do you think I could run in the mile? And I'm like, I think you ran 638, 632 or 628 in the trials. You should be able to shoot for within 10 seconds of your PR. Her PR is uh, 542. I said, I think you run 552 to six minute pace. Just don't be fearful and go for it and then execute a good plan. And she ended up running a 553. So I was happy for her. She won her heat, and then uh, it's a good, good beginning for the season. Amazing. Fantastic. Well, Meb, you might remember from when we had Claire Holt on the show, the actress who, <laughs> among other things, was in The Vampire Diaries. Yeah. My oldest daughter is so obsessed with The Vampire Diaries that we made a weekend coming to Atlanta. One of the things we did was go out to Covington, Georgia, and visit all the sets and all the places where The Vampire Diaries was filmed. So that was fun. And then while we've been here, we have done some Black History Month things, went to visit and go to a service at the Ebenezer Baptist Church, which of course was Martin Luther King Jr.'s congregation. That was incredible. Visited the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library. So actually a lot of great things to do in Atlanta for folks who happen to find themselves this way. A lot of great history and great things to do. So thanks to everybody in Atlanta. And actually, by the way, they have the Atlanta Marathon here as well, a marathon that's uh, got a couple thousand runners. So congratulations to the folks at the Atlanta Track Club for putting that on. And, you know, listen, the Olympic marathon trials were only three weeks ago, but now we're coming up on the United Airlines NYC half in New York, which we're excited about, followed by a whole spring and summer full of incredible races. And then, of course, in early August, it's going to be the Olympics and the marathon. And, you know, speaking of the Olympics, today's guests are two of our Olympians. Meb and I got to be there in Orlando for the incredible one-two finish at the U.S. Olympic trials on the men's side. And it was Connor Mance and Clayton Young coming up one-two in that race. We're thrilled to have both of them joining us on Set the Pace today. Not only are they going to tell us about their great, great experience and great results at the trials, but also 
they're going to break some news. We got some big news coming from Connor and Clayton. Can't wait to share that a little bit later on in the show, but they're going to have a big announcement to make on Set the Pace. Before we get to Connor and Clayton, just want to give a shout out to all the New York Roadrunners members who are going to be joining us in Prospect Park this coming weekend for the Al Gordon Four Mile Race. And, you know, a lot of folks don't know what that race is named after or who it's named after. Al Gordon, he was a huge, huge player in creating New York Roadrunners. He was a Wall Street legend, worked in finance for 80 years, died at 107 years old, worked until he was 104, by the way, and also was a running legend. He was a longtime board member of New York Roadrunners, ran his first marathon at the age of 80, unbelievably showing that it really is truly never too late to start your marathon journey. You can read all about Al Gordon on our website, nyrr.org. We're going to put a new blog post, a link to a new blog post, post about him in the show notes. So in case you want to know more about Al Gordon, check that out. You can learn about him. By the way, his grandson, John Roberts, is a current board member of New York Roadrunner. So a great legacy of the Gordon family here in New York. And we're excited to pay tribute to Al this coming weekend in Brooklyn. Also, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that last Thursday evening, Meb, was a great, great night in New York. Uh, the annual New York Roadrunners Club Night, where we get to celebrate some of the best runners in the New York area who represent their running clubs week in and week out at our races. We gave out a lot of awards. They all got dressed up, Meb. It was a fancy, fancy night. They all put the put the fancy shoes on, took off the sneakers, put on some heels and some suits. And it was a great night to celebrate a lot of great runners and a lot of festive feelings in New York at the, the club night, Meb. It was a lot, a lot of fun. Rob, I wasn't there this year, but it's a fabulous event. All the comp competition, the passion that comes out and dressed up in New York is always a wonderful to hand out awards or be able to be receiving so that's a great event that i've been i've been done there in the past all right and just after we talk to connor and clayton meb we're going to have our med minute today and with the half marathon and some other 10ks and shorter races coming up this spring we're going to talk about how you can use these spring half marathons as a training tactic getting you ready for full marathons maybe you're running boston maybe you've got a fall marathon in your sights Meb will talk to you about how to use races like this to get you ready. Well, we are so thrilled today to have the one-two finishers in the 2024 U.S. Marathon Olympic Trials on their way to Paris, Connor Mance and Clayton Young joining us on Set the Pace. And Meb, you were just with these guys not long ago. You were a surprise guest at their celebration in Utah, celebrating their making the Olympic team. What was that like? Rob, it was exciting, and uh, I was so delighted to be able to go to Utah to celebrate uh, Connor Mintz and Clayton Young. As a friend of mine, Jerry Ward, my teammate from 2016, sent me a text, hey, the com running community here are throwing a party for uh, for those guys. Would you be able to come? And I'm like, well, it's kind of almost Valentine's Day. I wasn't sure, and I got a little cough going on and all that. And then, but, you know, he shared that news with Todd and Eileen Garners who were throwing the party, and you know what? I did it. I went. I'm thankful for my wife and my kids to be able to allow me to do those things. And I was at the house, opened the door for Clayton. And then all of a sudden, the surprise in his face was priceless. And I was able to meet uh, Connor also to be able to just cherish those moments. It was, uh, it was wonderful, wonderful. And I'm so happy for them to be able to celebrate them and also send off to Paris. 
Well, Meb, on the morning of the Olympic trials, you predicted that it would be Connor Mance and Clayton Young going 1-2 in Orlando. And while they, of course, had already established themselves as two of America's best marathoners at the Chicago Marathon, not everybody had them at 1-2 on their race card. Meb, what, what did you know? What was your vibe that kind of gave you the sense that it was going to be their day? I saw them in Orlando, you know, kind of hear from them for the Chicago Marathon and saw the, their face expression, their mindset, and their focus, be able to just say, hey, I give them a hug and greeted them. They were just excited and focused and ready to go. I said, I turned around, I said, they're going to go one and two. And I don't know which one's one and which. I wasn't that accurate, but I kind of predicted they would go one, two. And it was just a thrill to meet Clayton for the first time, I believe, and then Connor, we have done a couple other times, so it was just wonderful to be there. And and Ed, Ed Ison, their amazing coach, also, and he told me like, what should we do? They get their focus, they're ready to go, and whatnot. And then I'm like, you know what? When the coach is speaking, they have done the work. Just you know, no new strategy that needs to be done. Just execute, execute good plan. And these guys did an amazing job to execute. Coach can get you to the line, but you got to execute. And did they, boy? All right. Well, Connor Mance and Clayton Young, congratulations. Welcome to Set the Pace. Great to have you here. And I'll start with you, Connor. Has it sunk in yet? Kind of where are you in terms of your your recovery now, both physically and emotionally, from having gotten through that race and accomplished your objective of making it to Paris? First off, thanks for having me, Rob and Meb. Um, I think, you know, for the most part, it has it has started to set in. I think a lot of it came from, I think the first like week, week and a half, it was like, it, it just didn't feel like I'd done it. Um, but then as Clayton and I were getting some easy runs in, and even we got one in with Meb, we, and we started talking about the future and how to prepare for the Paris Olympic Games, that's when it finally felt like, oh, okay, like this is actually happening. And I think that's kind of when it started to set in. Clayton, what about you? Yeah, great question. I think, you know, we were definitely on cloud, cloud nine for a while. And I think it was even a couple days after the race that Coach Eyestone called me. And I was wondering why the heck he called me. And, uh, you know, we hadn't had a lot of details planned out yet. And I realized that he just wanted to call me just to, to relive the moment. And uh, so we were on the call for a good like 45 minutes just going and reliving the moment. He hadn't slept for like three days straight. And, uh, you know, eventually we both crashed and, and had our 10 hour days or 10 hour uh, nights of sleep, but it, it definitely took a while for it to settle and for it to sink in. I don't think it still has, and I don't think it will until we're on the line in Paris. You know, I've been, you know, fortunate enough to be on my my first team to Tokyo for uh, Chiba Ekaden with Ed Eyestone, and then be nice, fortunate enough to be a teammate with uh, Jared Ward in 2016. So I know, as Connor alluded to, that he ran with me, you know, this couple, Todd and Ian Garner, did some amazing thing for you guys, be able to celebrate you, to make sure to soak it in the experience. And the run was one thing, but can you tell us what the running community means for you guys? Because representation at the Olympic trials was one thing, but to be able to be invested in you guys and can you, you know, what does that mean for you guys? Yeah, um, I'll go first with that. I think it's really special. I think in Utah, we have something pretty special that, you know, I'm not sure is everywhere, but, you know, you, we go out for runs around here and people know us and people cheer us on and we have an incredible support system. Um, Run Elite program supports runners in the state of Utah at, at a lot of different levels. And I think um, 
and not just run on your program, but like, you know, the state of Utah itself. And then a lot of individuals, such as like you said, Todd Gardner, and then um, the BYU support staff, like Ian Hunter, it, we're just kind of overwhelmed or not overwhelmed with support, but we're given such a unique opportunity um, from the whole community that I think is really special. And, you know, something that I don't think we could do, you know, I don't think Clayton and I would be as good if we didn't have such a great community. Um, whether that be like the Jared Wards that are up front paving the way for us, or, you know, the, you know, the runners on the canal trails that we run on cheering us on who know our names even before we made the Olympic team. Yeah. When you think about how Connor and I were both went to high school here in Utah and how we both decided to stay here in Utah and train at BYU. And then once again, we decided to stay in Utah again, trust our community, trust where our success lied, which was within, you know, the system around us and, and decided to stay and be professional athletes here in Utah. Uh, You know, that was kind of a leap of faith. You know, there, there weren't a lot of, there's not an official pro group here in Utah. Uh, but as we've kind of been, uh, you know, formed this run elite program uh, here in the state of Utah, and as we've seen the support around us, uh, it's definitely paid off. Uh, you know, don't change what is what has worked for you here in and here out. Well, you guys are mega stars, and I'm thankful for Todd Garner to say, hey, we're throwing this party for them. I never travel for a party. I go for races and other things. <laughs> but I was so delighted that when Jared Ward sent me a text to say, hey, can you make this happen? And it was a couple of a day before the Valentine's. I wasn't sure, and I had a little cough. I wasn't sure if I was going to make it, but how special you guys are that, you know, having read my book and other things and then just been great for the sport. And when the community is getting together to throw a party, can you guys, you know, you know, when I opened that door, you guys were completely surprised. Can you walk through that for those people that are listening listen to the podcast and set the pace? You can go Con- uh, Clayton first. I know you agreed you first and then you can go Connor. Yeah. I, you know, if, if anybody knows Todd Gardner, he definitely knows how to throw a party and he knows how to make experiences. And that's really what he provides for us here in Utah. He was the guy that was at every single long run throughout this build all the way into the trials driving his car, handing us bottles, helping us practice. And he's just not only a big fan of the sport, but a really good friend and mentor. And so he definitely knows how to throw a party. But one thing he, uh, he didn't tell us is, is that he had invited Mebka Flesgy to come, right? As, as Meb said, uh, Jared just happens to have his number, of course, as a friend. And uh, Todd Garner was just like, you know, what are the chances that we could get Meb here as well as some other Olympians? And, and, And so when I walked in the door to Todd's house, and the first person I saw, the person that greeted me was Mepka Flesky. I absolutely was thrilled. Um, and that video is, is something I'm going to say for the rest of my life. You know, it's it's cool to, it was cool to see Meb out in Orlando and and to get to know him there in those brief little moments, but then to spend time with him at that party was phenomenal. And uh, just with all the athletes and the communities together, um, you know, there was a lot of people in that room uh, the rest of the evening and and a lot of good food, a lot of good talk. And, and uh, it just, yeah, it just, I think... All of us were really starstruck by Meb and having him be there as he's been a role model for me and for Connor and, and really uh, for everybody um, in, in our running community. Connor, were you were you totally surprised by the surprise party uh, to celebrate you guys making the Olympic team and Meb being there? Yeah, I mean, we, we knew it was going to be a party. The party wasn't a surprise, but seeing Meb was kind of like, you know, I, I didn't know how to react. It was kind of like, whoa, like. I, I had no idea that Meb was going to be there. So it was this huge, like, you know, you walk in the front door or the side door. We, we, he had us walking through his garage 
and we just see Meb there. Or I, me and me and my wife had like on the drive there. She asked me about Meb because she didn't know a lot about him, and so I'm, you know, I've read Run to Overcome, and I was kind of giving the whole like synopsis of like Meb's early life from what I can remember um, from the book, and was like, you know, telling her, oh, he was born in what was Ethiopia, but is now Eritrea when they were fighting independence for their independence. And then he was in Italy and then he was in San Diego. And like, then it was like, we run into Meb like right there. And it was just, uh, whoa, like, you know, um, just kind of a, I don't know, huge surprise, kind of like, kind of felt like the trials all over again. It was like, what is going on? Like, is this actually happening? Like must just be a good dream that is just, has kept going. <laughs> you know, Todd and Eileen has this amazing place house and they were saying for the first time, the house is going to s- s- feel small because they had like 200 people all close to that. And it was just amazing experience. And, and Todd is all about experience. And it was your guys' night. I am so delighted. I'm thankful for my wife and my kids to be able to be there. Uh, and then, but I wanted to make it special because it was kind of like at Eyestone when we were met in Tokyo, he passed me the torch saying, hey, I sh- we showed up at five o'clock for a run for before our flight. And he says, you're going to be good. And then Jerry Ward and I at the finish line, line in LA, I just pour water on him just to welcome him to the team. And when he called me that text, I couldn't resist. I said, I got to treat these guys. And, you know, it was your guys' night, but also took, took my medal with me, you know, just to yeah. give you guys when you're getting ready for Paris to show you the medal, what it feels like, because I never held one for a long time until I was post-professionally and things like that. So, did that, you know, I know it's sink in and been an Olympian, but, you know, I know you guys talked briefly about possible medals and things like that. How was that feeling to, to hold the medal? That's the one thing that I was going to bring up that I think the listener should know is that, yeah, Med brought his medal and let us all hold it uh, in this group of 200 people. And that was pretty special. Um, like, to, I don't think I've ever seen a medal in person and been, been able to hold it. And so it was definitely a good omen and a good sign. And, and you know, maybe some good juju moving forward. Um, I, I, I know that shooting for a medal, uh, is definitely an outside shot. You know, I think I'm ranked in the top 30 or 40, but I definitely don't want to leave it outside my mind. And, uh, especially with a a hot and humid course, uh, with there being some Hills, I, I think it'll level the playing field. And, and, you know, I, I want to keep that little bit of hope alive that, you know, if, if, uh, if Meb can do it in, you know, his third marathon ever and, uh, go get silver, correction fourth marathon ever then uh it really like why why not me and so just a little bit of good good uh good omen good mojo from them there at the party yeah it's a it's a special thing like to hold a medal and hear med's stories uh i think he was i think he said he was ranked 30 something had the 30 something best pr heading in I was 39th. I was going to let you finish, but I was 39th yeah. at 101. So ranking doesn't mean anything. It was hot and hilly and humid. So everything right. was fair there. Yeah. I, I mean, that that's something that's like, okay. And he had, he had Paul Turgat in the race. Like, I mean, Paul Turgat of, I don't know, 20 years ago was the Elliot Kipchoge of today. Like maybe Elliot's a little more dominant, but it's kind of the same thing. It's like, this guy is so like, dominant in the in in his event and so it's kind of like in the same boat it's like okay it's inspiring i should say inspiring that we could earn a medal well i I sure was so pleased to be there because as we want to pass on the torch to next generation but you guys are the 
new stars of the United States Marathon, and I'm so proud of you guys. But tell tell us about now as you are soaking it in, you know, rebuilding the training for Paris or possibly doing two operations and things like that. Where is your mind frame now? You are Olympian. First, before you can answer, I uh, uh, answer this question. Was it more pressure at the trials or is it going to be more pressure at the Olympics? But what are your men- mental phase right now as you prepare to visualize in five months? Um, I I think for me, I, I've always heard the Olympic trials are more pre- have a lot more pressure, um, partially from reading, you know, your book, 26 Marathons, but also Coach Eyestone, you know, always says, you know, if you're hurt or if, you know, no matter what, you got to make sure you get to the trials. And I don't know, to make sure you make the Olympic team, you kind of got to got to get on this edge of healthy and, and running it as hard as you can. And I feel like with the Olympic Games, you're still training as hard, but you're not, you don't have to take as many risks because you've already made it to the race. Um, but I, I think I'm, I think one, like, I'd love to do some, t- I'm excited to do some tune-up races mentally. I'm just like, okay, I want to, I'm, I'm starting to have that high come down of making the team and be like, okay, let's start planning out our next steps and just kind of focusing on the next things I can do so I can better um, compete. And Connor, that's um, actually a perfect segue to uh, speaking of next steps. And we've got some exciting news that we're going to share about what you and Clayton are going to be up to as you start to prepare for Paris. So Clayton, I'll send it to you. What's the big announcement? Big announcement is Connor and I are lining up for the New York City Half Marathon coming up in March. We're, we're super excited. It'll be my first time out on the course and to, to really feel the uh, the energy of the New York City um, half marathon. But, uh, you know, obviously Connor's coming back. It's going to be early in our build. And so we're, we're going to kind of see what happens. Um, but we're excited to be out there with the people in New York City and to, to really enjoy that moment and uh, to celebrate, you know, this beginning of uh, our Olympic, you know, our build to the Olympics in Paris uh, with you guys. Well, thank you so much. We could not be more excited at New York Roadrunners to uh, have the two of you joining us for the United Airlines NYC half. It's going to be a big day in New York. Connor, what, what made you want to come back to the half distance as your, your build up for Paris begins? Why, why the half? Why New York? So I'll, I'll answer the half question first. Um, I think the half is just, it's a great distance that it doesn't wear out your body as much. Um, and it was either, you know, go do some 5Ks and 10Ks on the track or go do some halves. And I think, I think I have a lot of room to improve um, in the halves and I, and I guess on the track, but I think I want to get these halves in, um, so that I can, I don't know, have more confidence heading into Paris. Um, if I go PR in a 5k or 10k, it's not gonna, not gonna give me a ton of confidence, but if I go run a few halves, I think they can help, help me kind of get in my groove. Um, and why New York, I, I ran it in 2022. I thought it was a great race. Um, was able to run through the streets in New York was, which was probably one of the most special experiences. And it was a huge learning. Um, it was like, it was probably my first race where I was competing against a big international field, um, since like my pre-college days. And so it was a really good experience for me. And I think it's one I want to kind of repeat and, you know, take what I've learned for the last two years and use it at, at the New York, uh, United Airlines. New York Roadrunners Half Marathon. 
Well, Clayton, you know, he's saying this is going to be your first time. The New York Road Runners do always an amazing job, whether you run the half or other races or the marathon. But being there, the hospitality and the course in Central Park uh, is always phenomenal. What are you expecting, you know, as a buildup? I understand this is only a buildup toward August, um, you know, uh, as a tempo runner, I would like to say, or you and your coach or Connor are assembling as a team. What should we just expectation should be i know the celebration could be the now to paris but what i what should we expect from you guys yeah i mean today was um an eight mile day and so <laughs> i gotta get ready for a, a 13.1 miles out of new york and so we still you know have a couple weeks out before the half but it is going to be at the start of our build um into to paris and so it will definitely be um i wouldn't say a controlled effort like i want to race for sure but uh yeah, we'll be we'll be building into fitness uh, by the time the New York City half marathon comes around, and and so it'll be interesting to kind of figure out and, and kind of get a benchmark of where we're at and where we can um, improve and move forward as we prepare for Paris. I think another great thing about the United Airlines New York City half marathon is that it's going to be hilly, and uh, we know that Paris is going to be really hilly, and so um, I think I'd definitely give Connor the nod that uh, he's definitely better in the hills, and I'm better in the heat and humidity, and so I'm excited. Uh, for Connor to just absolutely <laughs> take me through the ringer on the hills in, in the New York City half marathon and, and try to see how much I can hang on um, and really try to find out where my strengths and weaknesses are in the hills. You know, I, I consider myself a good downhill runner, uh, but I'm going to have to learn to work hard um, uh, on the uphills, uh, both in New York and in Paris. And so that's what I'm looking forward to. Connor, what do you think? Are you going to try to help Clayton get through our hills in New York, pull him to the finish line? <laughs> kind of, a little bit of the opposite of what happened in uh, Orlando, right? Where he kind of was on his A game and had to help you a little bit. Exactly. Um, I mean, I'm, I'll try and help him. I think the big thing is I'm going to try and help him out in training. Uh, trying to, he, he has a, probably one of the best trails um, in the Utah Valley area for running, you know, up and down hills right in front of his house. So I think I'm just going to show up in front of his house a few days and say, this is where we're running. <laughs> um, literally, like you could throw a rock. Um, it's across the street from his house. You could throw a rock from his porch and you don't need to have a good arm. You can have a, a marathoner's arm and you will hit the trail. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, on, on race day, I'll, I'll try and do my best to help him out. Um, I mean, when I went there for my first time, I had Jared Ward explain the whole course to me and what he would recommend. But I think, I don't know, those first few hills are pretty good. And then the last, there's like the downhill around, I think, five miles. Somebody could probably give me a correction on that. But I think Clayton will love that because you can absolutely fly on that downhill. And then it's, it's a little more flat for the rest of the way, comparatively to the first five miles, at least. You know, you guys are teammates uh, in college, teammate at the Olympics. Can you walk us over a little bit of the work ethic and how you guys feed back of each other in training that we, when the camera is not on, can you like, uh, Clayton, you can go a little first and say, hey, those are the two things that are beneficial to Connor and I. Can you, because we, we see in the camera, you know, the high five and things like that, but can, can you walk us through what goes to your training on your tempo run or intervals, how you push each other to be the best version of yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's no doubt that having a training partner like Connor Mance has led to, to my success and his success. And, and really, uh, I think it starts with accountability. Like we're both high, like hardworking, um, very detail oriented athletes, but 
Um, you know, there are so many details and there's so many things to keep in order that that accountability between him and I, him and I really does make a difference. Um, both in like the middle of a workout when things get really grindy and tough. And let's say we're doing some mile repeat sessions or a tempo and, and, you know, he's an immediate accountability partner knowing like, ah, if, if I start fading off Connor, I, I, I get competitive and I want to, I want to run with him. And so, uh, that, that immediate accountability is, is great in the moment. And then also with all the little things like sleep and nutrition and recovery, um, using the sauna lifting sessions, like there's just so many little details um, and I know that Connor is doing every single one of those things. And if I want to compete at his level, that's what I got to do as well. Um, I would also say like the second thing that, that Connor is really, really good at is, is just motivating. Like if I have a bad race or a bad workout, he's the first one to remind me that that's just a moment in time. And that, uh, you know, like that I am more than just a, a bad workout or a bad race and that as I, as I kind of have short-term memory and move on and move forward, uh, that I've worked out with him X number of workouts and X number of miles that, you know, I I'm fine and that I can get over that. And, and, uh, so I think we definitely have a really good positive, uh, mindset towards training and, and we can dig each other out of, uh, the abyss of, of a mental breakdown, uh, at any moment. And that's, that's really helpful, uh, especially when somebody knows you and as intimately as, as, as we do in, and the day in day out of mileage and, and, uh, yeah, workouts. It's just, we, we just know each other really well. And so we can be the first ones and trust each other as we, as we kind of work through the psychology of running. Connor, it was so interesting to watch you and Clayton during the trials in Orlando, you know, working together as, at least as it seemed. And I know you've, you've talked about how you really picked each other up during that race such an incredible you know advantage in a way that you have having a partner out there on the race course with you who knows you as well as they do maybe better than you know yourself in a moment like that where you're under a lot of duress and someone can see you from the outside and say hey you know i see you you got this come on let's get this done how big a deal is that for you Connor, to have Clayton there to kind of pick you up in a moment like that in the trials when you might have been struggling? It, it, it's a pretty big advantage. Um, maybe advantage just isn't the only right word, um, but it, it's pretty great. When, like, I don't know, around 18 miles, there was a point pretty early in the race where I'd looked back. Maybe I shouldn't say it was that early. It was close to halfway, and I, I looked back, and Clay, I didn't see Clayton. It was just because there was kind of a crowd but I saw everybody else in the pack and I missed Clayton and I didn't hear anybody cheer for him. And I got kind of stressed out. Um, but then around like 18 miles, I, I look back, I see it's me, Clayton and Zach panning. And it was like, all right, like I got this Clayton, you got this. And it was, it was very motivating because I could see, you know, Clayton's one of the smoothest runners um, as far as their, his forum goes. And so when, when I'm struggling, it's actually really nice to run behind him. Um, kind of a calming feeling. I, I, I feel bad. I'm the exact opposite of Clayton when it comes to my form. My form is a little jagged. My body didn't, I don't know, doesn't like to run as smooth as Clayton's. Um, but I'm, I'm, I don't mind that, but I feel bad for Clayton because he has to run behind me and be like, oh man, this guy is stressing me out. <laughs> well, Clayton, running behind Clayton is kind of a calming feeling. So it's it was, I don't know, a combination of like, 
I don't know, a million different things with having Clayton out on the course. And it just really helped benefit me, you know, especially when I started struggling uh, 24 miles in, I was like, okay, like, I'm just going to run behind Clayton, have that calming effect, let him dictate the pace. I know Clayton's going to qualify no matter what happens, but I just need to make sure that I don't risk anything so I don't qualify. So I'll let Clayton, I'll let Clayton do a little extra work and Clayton's on my team and it's just kind of special. Good form or critiquing your own form. You guys got beautiful heart and com- uh, camaraderie is beautiful to see. How are we going to see that? You know, when I was running with Alan Culpepper at the a- Athens uh, Olympics, I tell Alan, you're taller than I am. You got to give me a little guidance, you know, because I can't see when you are like 100 people there. I can't see the fluid station or why not. I got to gotta tell me 200 meters before the fluid station. So what kind of strategy do you guys have to use now in preparation for you know, uh, for Paris. And I'm, and I'm, when I was running with you guys, I kind of gave a little bit pointers of what to do, but what can we expect from you guys working as a team? Yeah, I think we definitely showed that working together is, is the best move forward. Um, and, you know, we're going to have to see how this training block goes and see how, like I said, how I do on the hills and how Connor does in the heat and humidity. But I think uh, like our best foot forward is definitely working together. And, and there's going to be probably a lot of planning and strategizing with Coach Eyestone to really come up with a good game plan that that helps us to place as high as possible. Um, but I would definitely see, um, you know, if everything goes well, us working through the end of the race, you know, miles 22, 23, 24, because like Connor said, um, there's there's uh, a sense of comfort, of calmingness that comes when you're with your training partner partner in those later stages of the race. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited as well, just to, you know, you know, at the Olympic trials, it was all about placing top three. And, and so I, I really want to see what my potential is um, on, on the world stage and really see, like, kind of find the line, find the limit. And then even in Chicago, um, I, I was just all set on hitting the Olympic standard. And so this next marathon, I'm really excited to kind of find the line, to find the limit. And I know that Connor is going to pull me to that, to that limit. Um, uh, I think kind of like Connor has said, you know, he had a lot of pressure going into the trials and, and I think we saw that play out in the later stages of the race that mentally it was just really tough. Uh, but physically, I think Connor, while he hides it in his form and in his face, I think he, he's probably a lot fitter and a lot fresher than what people let on. And so, um, I'm really excited to work with him in the later stages of Paris and, and, uh, he's, he's going to pull me as hard as I can, um, and see if I can follow. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for that. Connor, for you going into these Olympics, it just must feel like a relief, right? I mean, you you went through a trials uh, four years ago, finished in that maddening kind of just outside the team position of uh, fifth to get through here uh, just must be a relief. And is it, do you feel like the pressure's off for you to, to just be able to go and now enjoy this experience of being an Olympian? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it was really tough after that. The Olympic trials, 10,000 meter in 2021. And I, I don't think anybody had picked me to make the team. I ended up running. It was my fourth 10 K and on the track in 36 days, it was kind of, I don't know, a lot. And I, I came into this one and I just put more pressure on myself than I needed to. I don't, I don't know if anybody would have put as much pressure on myself as I did. Um, it, which, which was really tough and it, and it definitely gives a sense of relief, but I think that kind of, like, you know, going back to the the team we have, I know we're not an official, we're not like an official team, but 
the group we have of training partners together, I think really helped calm me down and keep me in the moment. Um, you know, as I'm shaking with nervousness. So it was really nice to have Clayton at the trials, but definitely a sense of, okay, now I can just worry about getting fit and enjoying training. And I don't have to worry about, okay, if I don't perform in this race, I don't make it to the Olympics. It's more just, okay, just get fit. And if I don't perform at the Olympics, I can work on that in four years. But this time I'm like, I get to, I don't know, get to go for it. Kind of like Clayton, see where my limit is. One thing that I think is so interesting, Connor and Clayton, about your stories as runners is actually something that's totally not running related at all. You both are are members of the the Church of uh, Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and you both took that time that that Mormons typically take to do a mission. Right? You took, uh, I believe, it's two years off to serve a, a church mission. How has that? impacted you as runners? I mean, it's not typical for runners to go take two years off. I read that that you you both gained a little weight during that period of time. Uh, I'm not sure if that was a good thing or not a good thing, but certainly your body got rest, right? And then you also had the, the experience that you both had during those missions. Clayton, I'll start with you. What do you think the impact of that was on you as a runner? And then of course, also as a person, as you bring that experience into your running life? Yeah, the impact as a runner is is tough. As you said, you know, we gained quite a bit of, of weight. I gained 25 to 30 pounds on my mission, and I only got to run a couple times uh, when it allowed. Uh, we can only run, or we only have about 30 minutes a day early in the morning to, to work out, and that's if your companion or who you're teaching with wants to as well. Uh, so it made it really difficult, and that that wasn't really the focus. Obviously, like our our, our focus was uh, to be you know, representatives of Jesus Christ and and to teach people about the gospel and to serve, to serve, whether that was uh, in the home or doing yard work or building houses or, or you know, there's there's lots of ways that we served. And so, you know, running, obviously it took a toll and, you know, it, I, it took some time to get back in shape, but you talk about, you know, the character and the person that you become on a mission and, and that pays off tenfold down the line. Um, I really think it, it gives you an, an eternal perspective. Uh, you know, running can become a very all or nothing sport. It can become hyper-focused, especially on the professional level. But, you know, knowing what I learned on my mission and the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it can really like keep you grounded and, and, you know, your identity is more than just being a professional runner. You're also, uh, you know, a son, a father and uh, a husband. Uh, Those are like some of the principles that we teach. And, and that really helps in the internal perspective of when it comes to running and uh, instead of this all or nothing mentality when it comes to the professional level of running. And I think it's made a big difference. Yeah. And Connor, it reminds me a little of, you know, when we talked to Meb about his marathon journey and how he didn't want to run any more marathons after his first one, right? He had a rough time, went back to Eritrea, kind of got that perspective of life uh, outside of running, right? And And, and was... Was that period of time, Connor, for you, something similar to that? Very similar. Um, I, I grew up, you know, with a family that was just so supportive of everything I did. And uh, I, I look at my childhood and I'm just very blessed. But as a missionary, um, I, I was in Ghana in West Africa. And Ghana is, what I've heard is Africa for beginners. It's, you know, we... Um, it's, it's a nice country. Um, 
there's no wars going on. You're, it's a safe country. Um, but it is, you know, it, it, there's a lot of poverty there. And, and it really, um, I think opened up my eyes of, oh, wow. Like, you know, it's not, some of these people are, are just worried about their next meal and worried about, they, they don't care where they're going to sleep tonight. They're just, you know, not, not everybody, but it was like, there was a lot more of that to see everywhere than, than I see here in Utah. And I think a lot of that kind of changed my perspective of, oh yeah, like running, you know, I don't need to be nervous for races. And I don't think I, I really have been so nervous for a race as I was this past Olympic trials, but it I know, opened up my eyes of, you know, the real life, the real world outside of my, my bubble in Utah is just so different. And I, I just became more grateful for every opportunity I had. Um, but it, I don't know, got, I, I had one experience about a week before I came home. I was there for two years where I was in a, in a refugee camp. Um, and it, and it kind of opened up my eyes even more to, wow, like, you know, there's a huge, like a huge difference between America and Ghana, but from Ghana to this refugee camp is another like huge difference, huge step down. And just kind of realizing, you know, that everything you have, anything you have, like you, you need to be grateful for even the littlest things. You know, I was uh, when I was in Utah talking to Todd and Eileen, they were saying, do you get to choose? But they told me, no, you didn't get to choose. You get place, whatever the church decides to go to. I know, Clayton, you were in Raleigh, North Carolina, Raleigh, and then Ghana. I remember when I was training with Ryan Hall in Mammoth Lakes, and when they went to Ethiopia, we would discuss about what they have seen, how they want to help, and things like that. Do you guys reflect and and revisit or share with your teammates at BYU or other than the club? How does that, you know, sharing those experiences kind of helps telling your teammate or others in the community? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a constant reminder. You know, we're still very associated with Brigham Young University and the runners there and the team there. And so there's always new uh, return missionaries that are, are coming home and getting back in shape. And, and yeah, we always go on these runs and we ask them about their experiences, what it was like and in Tokyo and in Ghana and in and uh, Uganda and anyway, all these different countries around the world, and it's pretty it's a pretty cool cultural experience to learn what it was like on their mission, um, and just a constant reminder of that eternal perspective. I don't know if there's a day that really goes by where I don't think about Ghana still, or the people there. Um, I still message people there. I, I don't know. It's it's very. Um, yeah, there's there's constant reminders all over. There, were, I would I had a teammate on the track team who was from Ghana, so I got to talk to him quite a bit. Um, just about hey, like how like he he knew some people I knew, and so we gotta like connect that way. And it was just easier to talk to him, uh, especially because he knew both cultures really well because he's been living here and he's from there. Um, but yeah, it's just a cool experience. You know, I didn't do missionary, but I go, I reflect back to when I go to Eritrea and see how fortunate that I am, you know, running the marathon, we go to a temporary, my, one of my teammates at UCLA said, it's a temporary discomfort that we go through. But when you see everyday people to go to the next village or where they're getting the water from the well or collecting woods, they can have fires uh, for you, Connor, you know, you know, when you're running, it goes back to my mind personally, you know, it's like when I'm, I'm in San Diego, uh, uh, you know, 
where there's a bunch of woods and you know those are I have to go a mile or two miles to collect this as a kid. And did you see anything that was in particular for you to say, you know what, in the United States we have all these, we shouldn't take them for granted when you were in Ghana? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I saw people walking, you know, mile a mile or two miles carrying these big buckets on their head of to get clean water. Um which was insane to me because you, you know, 50 cents, you can get the same big thing of clean water in that village, but they couldn't, you know, they didn't have 50 cents to get the clean water that they wanted. And that, that was big, but also like, I think kind of going back when I talked about that refugee camp, I remember uh, meeting with a woman, she was from Chad and she just had, had nothing like her, her, her shack I don't know if I should even call it a shack was, I don't know, probably five feet by four, well, four feet by six feet, maybe. And that might be a little generous. Um, and it was about, I don't know, three feet tall. And she had that, she had a chair and she had a little, uh, like a piece of cloth that she used as a blanket at night. And it like, it, it really threw me off. Like, and we were able to help her out and, you know, the, the church was able to help her out a lot with um, getting food and pretty much everything to help her live. But she had just gone through the ringer when it came to, you know, every part of life she was abused. Um, and it was just like, it, it, it really like kind of woke me up. Like I, we have it so good here. Um, we have a justice system that, you know, might, might not be perfect, but allows people who are abused to get, you know, justice and get away from other people. And, um, you can get like, if you need food, there's so many people that can get you food. And it's not just, you know, I don't know, the, the basic needs, but I just really was grateful. Um, when I was out there, like the few experiences I had where I got to see a lot of poverty was, it just kind of changed my mind on a lot of things in life. Well, you know, you guys done amazing work. And as you run in hurts, we all know that. But when you're digging deep and sense, per, uh, sense of purpose, make sure you guys reflect back on those missionaries that you have done or you have shared with somebody else to help you dig deeper, going to that hill in Paris uh, as you prepare for, you know. Uh, but final thought is uh, for me is now – as a teammate, what are you guys looking for to have a friendship that will last for life of memories? I know your spouses, Ashley for Clayton and Kyla for uh, Connor. You know, I know, have you guys babysat for, uh, you know, <laughs> Clayton and Ashley yet or as an Olympian, Olympian or what's the fun thing that you guys are looking forward to do to together? Well, we, we've talked about a few things, whether it be like going out to an altitude camp and or like doing dinners together. I need a, I haven't babysat. Kylie and I haven't babysat for them for a minute. But I mean, Clayton did help us paint our paint our house. So that was pretty, that was pretty special. After a 25 mile long run, he showed up to help us paint. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I'm trying to think what, what would you say, Clayton? What's something you're looking forward to? Yeah, I think uh, if we do go up to altitude, I think we're going to go together. You know, I, I, at the very beginning, even after we won the Olympic trials, I, I think I told Connor, I was like, are you ready to do this for 10 more years? Like, 
that's that's the reality like if we can do this till <laughs> till we're 40 like meb or or after 40 right like that would be the ideal and so yeah we're going to spend a lot of time together and and you know we already have a great relationship and friendship and that's first and foremost and then we're teammates and then we're competitors right and so uh, there's going to be a lot more opportunities to grow those relationships there sure will and uh we are just so thrilled for both of you congratulations on finishing one two in the trials guaranteeing yourselves a spot in Paris. And uh, you've got a spot in New York as well. We could not be more excited to have you uh, joining us for the 2024 United Airlines NYC half. Guys, I know the crowds are going to be crazy for you. The anticipation is going to be amazing. You know, in New York, we always say, you, you haven't made it anywhere like making it in New York. And when you come to New York, you're going to feel it. And that's in that way that it's going to show you uh, what a big deal you both have become. So I uh, can't wait to welcome you to the Big Apple. Congratulations. Can't wait to see you. Thank you so much for a great conversation. And uh, uh, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Rob and Meb. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us, Rob. For today's member moment, we have joining us a New York Roadrunners member who was also at the Olympic trials, a member of Frontrunners New York. Scotty Nelson is a financial analyst by day, and he ran his first ever marathon this past October at the Chicago Marathon. He followed that with the TCS New York City Marathon one month later. And then for his third ever marathon, Scotty ran the California International Marathon, where his sub 218 time qualified him for the Olympic trials. Scotty, wow, unbelievable what you've done in only a few months as a marathoner. Welcome to Set the Pace and congratulations. Uh, thank you so, so much. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a privilege to be here. I'm so, so happy to be speaking with you. It was a very busy fall, as you can imagine. How did this happen? How do you go from running your first marathon and then less than four months later, you're running in the Olympic trials? Yeah, it was, it was a journey, I have to be honest. Um, I think... You know, Chicago was always the target throughout the summer. Just, just was really, really thinking about that race and and wanting to have a strong debut, but not really knowing what that would look like. Of course, uh, and that first that first go was just such an amazing day. And dipping under two twenty for the first the first pass at the distance was better than I ever could have imagined. Uh, so once that. Once that happened, I thought, you know, I have to give it another go. I did not think New York would be the race, as you could probably imagine. It usually um, isn't. But yeah. yeah, it usually is not. So, uh, of course, did not want to pass on New York. It is such an amazing experience based on what I had heard. So, had an amazing time in New York, but really thought that CIM would be uh, one last pass to do it at. What was your running background before you got into the marathon that you were putting up these times? Sure. So... I ran cross country at Amherst College alongside uh, alongside my twin brother Craig Nelson, who is also a proud member of Front Runners. And you know, it looks very different there, as 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 we all know. It's uh, uh, we did the AK distance at at Amherst, being D three. So the marathon was a big jump, uh, as as everybody knows. Before that, before the marathon season this past fall, I did do my first half marathon in October of 22, but that was really my first pass at anything over 10 miles. So a big shift, as you could probably imagine. All right. Well, we know that you ran the United Airlines NYC half last year. You're 
planning to run it again. What are your plans? What are you hoping to accomplish this year at the half? Yeah, so the I would love, love to to see um, a PR would be great. I think uh, hopefully that is in the books because my first half for Orlando was you know an unofficial PR, which is which was nice. What um, was that? 60, 67, 43 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think my previous PR was in the Brooklyn half, which was 67, 47 or 67, 49, something like that. So would love to see that. But honestly, you know, just switching away from the marathon, we just love to have a strong race, faster effort and to run it alongside so many of my amazing teammates on front runners is always such a privilege. So I'm excited for that opportunity as well. Scott, where do you go from here? Do you think you're going to have some more Olympic trials in your future? Are you going to quit that financial analyst gig to go pro? What's the plan? No, actually, my my coworkers have been asking me as uh, as this has all happened very quickly. They're like, "Why are you? Uh, you know, what what are you thinking? What and, are you doing here? Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> exactly. Um, I have no no uh, inclination that that could ever happen, but you never know. Um, but no, realistically, I think one of the things I found in the past year that I just so ardently believe is the importance of balance, and I feel like doing, you know, having this role and, and being, being in finance, doing my day job, and then supplementing that with um, running, which is really my catharsis and my therapy. And, you know, it's, it's my social network. It's so many things that I wouldn't give it up. I wouldn't change anything. So would love to see something happen again in 2028 if there's another opportunity to uh, be at the trials. But until then, um, I'm just very grateful for all the support of New York Roadrunners, all the support of Frontrunners, it's been so monumental of getting through um, that post-college transition and, and learning what these new distances look like. So yeah, it's uh, it's been quite a whirlwind. Hey, congratulations to you. Congratulations to your club, Front Runners. Of course, we you know work so closely with them on so many things. I'm sure they're thrilled to have you uh, doing amazing things under their banner. So uh, thanks again. Thanks for being a member of New York Roadrunners. And we can't wait to see you back out there putting up amazing times. Way to go. Awesome. Thank you so much, Robin. Thanks to uh, everything that you and the team do. I really appreciate it. Time now for today's Meb Minute. And Meb, we heard Connor Manson, Clayton Young talk earlier in the show about the fact that they're running the United Airlines NYC half on Sunday, March 17th. So excited to have them. And Meb, this is obviously part of their buildup as they get ready for Paris for a lot of runners, even if they're not running the Olympics, races like the NYC half are not just an experience on their own, but also a path towards something bigger, getting ready for a marathon. How can runners use shorter races, whether they're 10Ks or halves, in the buildup for something bigger without wearing themselves out trying to run too hard in those races? Rob, it is very important to do a tune-up race to kind of benchmark where you are or where you want to head to. So doing shorter races for a marathon is very important. For example, the United Airlines New NYC half marathon could be a great tune-up for the London Marathon or for the Boston Marathon, how your train's been going, or somebody for like uh, Connor Mance or Clayton Young getting ready for Paris. It's important to kind of see, hey, this is where I am in March, a benchmark where you are and what you can work for to speed never hurts. You know, getting out of your comfort zone is very important. It just makes the marathon pace a lot more pleasant and you have more room to grow. So by doing, you know, 10K, half marathon or tune-up race, or, uh, it's important to just know where you are and where you would like to head to be. And I think it's very wise to 
to do those kind of races because it gives you a very important benchmark where you are, how fit you are now, or where you need to go. Absolutely. And uh, can't wait to watch Clayton and Connor stretch those legs out as they get ready for Paris here on the streets of New York. Well, now we're just about at the finish line of uh, this episode of Set the Pace. But before we get there, we do have uh, some more big news. We are today announcing the four professional fields that will be racing this year's United Airlines NYC half. And joining Connor and Clayton will be some incredible names across the field, starting with our wheelchair division, Beb, Susanna Scaroni, Daniel Romanchuk. They'll be headlining the 10th anniversary of the wheelchair division in this race. So we're really excited to have Susanna and Daniel back with us. And we've also got some great, great names on the open division for men and women as well, Meb. Absolutely. It's going to be very exciting as uh, Connor and Clayton will be joined by the great Kennedy Sabekele, Hilary Bohr, Zohair Talby, Jenny Simpson, Des Linden, Edna Kiplagat, and Caroline Berkeley Grufdahl. And it's going to be awesome just to be able to be in New York running the United Airlines New York City Half Marathon as uh, whether they're getting ready for the Spring Marathon or getting ready for Paris. It's just awesome to be in New York to get the test of your body. Absolutely. And for the full list of professional runners in the race, you can check out our social channels today. We'll be getting them all out there and just can't wait. It's going to be a really, really great day for the pros as well, of course, as for the more than 25,000 runners we know will show up at the starting line of the UANYC half. Very excited for it. Hey, thanks again for joining us on Set the Pace. Thank you to Clayton Young, Connor Mance, as well as our New York Roadrunners member, Scotty Nelson, for joining us. If you like this episode, please go ahead and subscribe, rate it, or leave a comment for the show on whatever platform you're listening to. This helps us because it helps others find the show as well. More Olympics coming up in our next episode, so stay tuned for that. Best of luck for everybody running the Al Gordon 4-Miler this weekend in Prospect Park. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.